Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission Podcast. I will be your host, Greg Conley. Today I'm speaking with a former resident, Annie. Annie, how are you doing today? I'm good this morning. How about you? I'm pretty good. So you stayed here for a while back and now you have graduated on and got your own place. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you came to the mission? About this time last year, I was... uh, facing homelessness. I was being evicted from my apartment, uh, not for non-payment. I had uh, gathered a bunch of things outside my apartment, and they told me that they would throw me out of there if I didn't move them. And somehow in my head, I just couldn't believe that that's the sort of thing that you would put somebody out on the street for. But in uh, the current rental climate, where landlords are not able to raise the rent unless they turn over the occupancy, that's absolutely the kind of thing that they'll throw somebody out of a dwelling for because they want to raise the rents, and they can only do that when they're moving in a new tenant. So that's how I ended up uh, suddenly on the street because I had nowhere to go. Were now, you scared? I, of course I was scared. That's, you know, I'm an older woman, and that's not a situation I had ever faced in my life. And I didn't know what the resources were. And before uh, my time was up there, I actually had a, a plan and I had been looking for somewhere to go that I could stay for a while. And I had a particular kind of place in mind. What I was looking for was some kind of Christian immersion program where I could stay and study and pray and work on my spiritual development and do humble work and contribute to you know, the household or what have you. And what I found is that there are places like that that you can go that are run by monasteries and the like, the sort of spiritual retreats, they're called. But they want to charge you a lot of money to go there. And I'm not somebody with a lot of money. And um, then the situation with moving out of my apartment came up kind of suddenly, and I didn't have time to uh, shop around for places to go anymore. And the cost of getting into a new apartment had increased so much locally that uh, I found myself sort of priced out of the market. So I moved into my truck with my little dog, and... You know, to be honest, I initially took it as kind of a challenge. You know, I thought, um, I can figure out ways to make this work while God comes up with a solution for me. And I moved from place to place around town in my truck and I had to go through the thing of 
you know, using restrooms and gas stations and grocery stores. And um, so I went to all the places that I had normally gone to when I was housed. And what I discovered is that people can tell the difference. They know it's not just you showing up later in the evening or earlier in the morning, that they can tell that something is off. And um, once they figure out that you've become part of the homeless population, people see you differently. Mm -hmm. They know there's an underlying problem. Mm -hmm. They may not know what it is, but they know something's wrong. So, so what led you to the mission? What, how did you figure out about the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission? Well, I'll tell you one way to describe the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission is that it's a Christian immersion program mm-hmm. where you can work on your spirituality mm-hmm. and study and do humble work and be part of the household. So it actually fit my vision perfectly. Mm-hmm. But it's there to serve homeless people. It's not a spiritual retreat, no. you know. But it met my needs. And when I was, uh, when I first went and uh, tried to get in, I was rejected because the truth of the matter is that I had attempted suicide mm-hmm. just a few days before. And the mission wasn't in a position to take on somebody who was that emotionally fragile. Mm -hmm. You know, they need you to be at least nominally stable. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they're putting you into a mixed population, and they can't have somebody who's on the edge of crisis. Mm -hmm. It's the shelter. They're not a medical facility. Yeah, it's not a, a crisis care facility. Yeah. So... There's just limits to what we can do. Mm-hmm. And taking in somebody who's in uh, that fragile of a shape could put the house at jeopardy and other residents at jeopardy. Because there's women and children there. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So I had to uh, pull myself together some more, which meant going back into my truck and finding a way to be stronger and better and more goal-directed so that I could go back to them and say, okay, I am further away from suicide now than I was when I first asked for your help, and closer to God, closer to God, Mm -hmm. can you help me? And at that point, the, the intake coordinator saw me as somebody who was a true candidate. Amen. Yeah. So, okay, uh, you got into the mission, and uh, when you first got there, how were the people? How were the, how was it when, for your first experience? Was it shocking? Was it what you expected? Was it? It was strict and regimented and gentle. Wow. That may sound like a real contradiction in terms. Yeah, feel free to elaborate, elaborate on that. Um. There were rules mm-hmm. for everything, um, and you can imagine coming off months living on the street mm-hmm. that uh, 
I was not real ready for um, a schedule. Mm-hmm. Now, let me rephrase that. I was ready for a schedule. I needed one and I wanted one. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have one built into my body at that point. Yeah. You know, I slept till I woke and I um, Didn't ate. know when you were going to sleep again. Exactly. And I ate when I was hungry if I could find food. So having, um, you know, to get up at a particular time and eat when uh, meals were scheduled, that was uh, a challenge for me. But I knew that part of why I was there was my, um, I'm going to call it just, it's it's part of my nature. I have a natural resistance to rules. Mm-hmm. I'm not, by nature, an obedient person. Mm-hmm. I look for a hack. Mm-hmm. I look for a workaround. I was raised by people who taught me to question authority. Mm-hmm. Just not theirs, but in general, to yeah. question authority. I think we all have a, a little bit of that in us. A little bit, yeah. And then I got into... Um, a line of work where my success at my job depended on my ability to find the workaround. I was a journalist, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times I wanted to um, get information or find sources that were not made available to me. So I had to do sneaky things, like waiting for people outside of their offices at the end of the day, or uh, pouncing on them in parking garages to get mm-hmm. them to answer my questions. Now that sounds that might sound kind of stalkerish and scary in today's. It comes with the job climate environment, but it absolutely comes with the job, and uh, journalism hadn't deteriorated into the, you know, circus that it is. Plus, I worked in print journalism, so it wasn't. Nowadays, yeah, yeah, it's a shame what's happened with journalism. So, were the were the people over at Fixo were were they welcoming? Did they accept you? Oh yeah. Or was there like I a was standoffish at first? Well, this is what I mean about the gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, I objected. Um, I I did my best to follow the rules and you know integrate myself into the community. Um, and where I bristled at the rules and stuff, they took it in stride. I remember a particular incident where I was frustrated about not being able to leave the house first thing in the morning to even go across the street to my car. Mm-hmm. But those were the rules. You couldn't leave the house. And um, and yet, after a certain point in the morning, after our morning chore meeting, there was suddenly all this hustle and bustle before people went out to their jobs. So I, in a house meeting one day, I stabbed my hand up into the air indignantly, and I said, what is all the artificial urgency about? It's like, here's all this time where we could be getting things done, and we're not allowed to even go out the door. And who answered? Everybody. Everybody. All the other residents. All the the other residents and the RAs, and they all got this sort of gentle laugh, shook their heads a little bit, and smiled and said, Give it time. You'll understand. But 
you know, nobody gave me an explanation. They just said all things work together. Give it a little time. You'll understand. That's great. I love that. And it was everybody. It was, you know, they'd all kind of been through it and had those frustrations. And you know what I did come to understand is that there are rules in the house to protect the residents of the house. Mm-hmm. And they not every rule applies to every resident, mm-hmm. but they're there for everyone. So and structure. It's structure. And uh, I'll give you an example that I sussed out. In the afternoon, um, at the time, there was about an hour of free time mm-hmm. where you could go and run little errands in the neighborhood and something like that. And it was about an hour. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be about two hours. <laughs> um, and it could have been because there was time that you uh, were in your room free, and then there was the free time outside of the house. But you know what I figured out is that somebody else had figured out that one hour is not enough time to go out and score drugs and make a connection. But two hours might be. And that rule was there keeping women safe who were being tempted to go out to the street and score and feed their addictions instead of their safety and their health. And more importantly, as a staff member at the Gospel Rescue Mission, I've seen a lot. And we've seen women come in with children. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the hardest thing in the world to have to... uh, uh, see what the children go through because mm-hmm. the mothers have an addiction mm-hmm. or you have to throw out a mother with her child and uh, so it's really to avoid situations like that yeah and, and protect the children and the too. kids do need protection to some extent from their own mothers yeah. when you know you get a woman in and she has to be clean. Now, this isn't the case at all the shelters around the community, but at the Gospel Rescue Mission, you have to be clean and sober and nicotine-free. Yeah. So, you know, that's just as a baseline, and you can see women change when they come in and they get substances cleared out of their body. They've got a little more clarity and stuff, mm-hmm. but... That's just a baseline. Yeah. And if you get a gal in there who's got a couple little kids and she's used to hanging out in the park and so she doesn't have anything in her system, but she doesn't have new friends yet Mm -hmm. and she's still used to hanging out in the park and she gets an hour of free time to go hang out in the park with her two little kids or something a lot less harm can come to pass in one hour. Yeah, what so. I, what I, the way I've always saw it is uh, so many of the other shelters, they'll give you a loaf of bread and send you on your way, whereas us at the Gospel Rescue Mission, we will give you a loaf of bread, but we also want to teach you how to fish. So we want to we solve homeless, homelessness at its root, mm-hmm. not just give you a dollar so we can feel better. Right. So, um, awesome. So, okay. So, you come there, you, you, you interact with the residents, see how they are. So, um, after you got settled in a little bit, they sent you to a job site. 
they sent me to a job tell site. Tell us a little bit about that and, and your journey with that. Well, um, how it works, you know, just the rundown. You know, you. Um, one of the main reasons that people are homeless is because they're unemployed and they can't find work. They don't have skills. They don't have ethic, work ethic. They don't have work ethic. They a lot don't. of them do. They just, you know, other reasons. But Yes. Well, surprisingly, you know, um, there are plenty of people out there who would work if they could get mm-hmm. a job placement. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with um, all kinds of people in my time working at as a volunteer at the Gospel Rescue Missions thrift stores. My first job placement while I was a resident was at the Second Chance thrift store. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great. I had an opportunity to interact with lots of customers and um, other residents and be kind of back in the community again where I had been sort of um, – you know, undercover for a while, Mm -hmm. living in your car. You don't want to be out running into your neighbors while you're shopping. So I was living pretty um, down low. Um, I got transferred from the Second Chance thrift store over to Booth right during a time where there was lots of transition there. Mm -hmm. And that was right when you were coming on as the manager. And so... I kind of feel like we grew in that store together. Yeah, we did. And we became friends. What was some of your experiences from beginning to end there at Booth? With this, with me as the staff, with Jen, with the other residents, with the environment there, all of us together as a whole, and how it helped you? Well, initially when I went in, there was a lot of Um, upheaval because of the transition and there had been a previous manager there for a while who Mm, did things mm -hmm, he did did things things in a certain way yeah and as you're always going to find when things change people resist yes we don't like that we want things to be the same and know what our expectations are even if we don't like how things are Mm -hmm. we don't want them to change because that's scary but um change came Mm -hmm. you went in and you took over the store and you made it your own and you saw things that could be done differently that you thought would um send uh you know certain learning experiences in a certain direction Mm -hmm. for some residences residents rather and um at the time, I was working in the back, sorting clothes all the time, and there were um, a couple of fellows back there, and then we had a couple people who were regular in the front, and we had certain merchandise that we worked with, and mm-hmm. you got the idea that we didn't need to be limited to just you know clothing, basically. Yeah, let's open our doors and sell everything. And and we did, mm-hmm. and so. We did. Initially, it was a lot of, well, we don't sell that. and <laughs> Yeah, a couple of times I had to say, well, now we do. Now we do. Yeah. That's right. Um, but it, it became exciting. God blessed that store. Instead of scary. Yes. For those of us that were working there and had been like, what is this? That's not our procedure. Yeah. Well, it became our procedure. Yeah. And so... Um, Things were different. And, you know, people will be naysayers Mm -hmm. initially. 
but I think it uh, we started to see in a fairly short order that this could pay off for everybody. Mm-hmm. We'll just change how we do things around here. And um, it's, it's been an exciting time of change in the store. And yeah. the customers love it. Yeah, all the customers, they know us by name, and we know them by name. And our our, our customers, I mean, I don't want to get too much into all that, but it's it's just, it's really an honor and a pleasure. And I look forward to every day at work with the residents, talking about Christ with the residents, sharing with you. Um, it's, it's, it's just fun coming to work there. And our yeah. customers will speak for us. Yeah. And it's just, it's really a blessing. And what we've done is really showing in the numbers too. Mm-hmm. And the customers, and it's all thank you to the community. The community is the one that does it. We just put it out. Yeah. So, and people like you. So, okay. So you had a tragedy, tragedy, during your during your, your stay at the gospel at the rescue mission. mission while you were at Booth. Yeah. And I, I I'll let you tell about it, but I remember it. And it was. How did you? What was it? If you don't mind talking about, it, if you want to yeah. share a little bit about it. I, I think Take your it's time a, and, and from beginning to end. Well, what? it certainly has been the most important thing that's happened in my life ever. It has. My uh, son died very suddenly in July. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had called me three times that day. He and I were very, very close. He lived mm-hmm. in Portland, and um, he was a good kid. He was a fine young man. Yeah. Now he's he was thirty eight, mm-hmm. so he wasn't that young. Okay, but he was way too young to die. I wish I was that young. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, and what was important, uh, you know, anybody can understand the loss of a child or maybe not anybody you know it's it's different Mm -hmm. it's different you're not supposed to outlive your children but um he was also my best friend Mm -hmm. and he was also my greatest supporter of my conversion to christ and my walk with christ and Mm -hmm. uh, earlier in the day we'd had a conversation and uh he had some exciting news that he wanted to give me, and um, so we talked about that. And at the end of that conversation, or after we got done with that topic, he said to me, so how's your walk with Christ, Mom? How are your miracles today? Because I told him about my miracles and my relationship with Jesus and what was happening for me. And I had miracles every day at that time. Yeah. I was in the mission. Mm-hmm. And me and you alone. We had moments where we just cried together and prayed and shared the word at the store. It, yeah. I mean, that was one of my miracles was that I was working someplace where I could talk about my faith. Mm-hmm. That alone was so inspiring and uplifting for me. And I did not have, at that point, tragedy in my life. Everything mm-hmm. was lifting me up and up and up. And um, when he died, I 
how I found out I was walking down the street and I was there in front of the men's house and they told me and my knees went out from under me and I started, you know, flailing. I just wanted to get them away from me with that, like suddenly Monica and... Monica is the women's coordinator. The women's coordinator and Alvin is my 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 daughter's dad he's a lifelong friend and and they just were the bearers of bad news and uh i was trying to beat them off of me and i fell to the ground and my first thought was that this was unsurvivable yeah and i needed to go after him but almost immediately it was followed by the voice of the holy spirit who said to me no, this is survivable, and you must survive it. And right there on the sidewalk, I just pulled myself together. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. We pull ourselves together. And Bobby brought me out a chair, and I was still in shock and hyperventilating, and but I had stopped screaming, and I had heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I knew that it was in the hands of God. So where was, Mon- where was Monica during She was the- just standing there holding me the whole time. What did, the, what did she do? The mission, mission staff was there during all this. How did they support you? And- well, Monica said, you know, really calmly and pointedly, this is what we're going to do. And she broke it down into easy steps. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back in the house. You're going to wait. Um, Alvin's going to bring his car around. We're going to move your car. We're going to get you over to your daughter's house. And um, so you can be with your family. And people don't, may not, may not know how important those tiny step-by-step instructions can be in a moment of that kind of shock. Mm-hmm. Because it's like a life-altering experience you know that everything's going to be different after that but you don't know how yeah so it's frightening um i went to my daughter's and then from there i went up to his house in portland and the family gathered there the mission monica the women's coordinator wrote you a pass to go be with your family up in portland yeah yeah i mean it was full compassion Mm -hmm. um but when I got back, the embrace and support was overwhelming in a good way. It was like, you know, you've seen these um, trust exercises that they do where you just fall backwards into mm-hmm. somebody's arm. Yeah. Um, I had that feeling from the whole house that I could have fallen backwards or sideways or anywhere, and I felt I would have been caught gently in the love of those women. It was like coming home. It was like coming home. And it set me um, right back into my schedule, which at that point was such a comfort. Like, this is when I have to be up, 5.30 in the morning, and Christ will be there, and there will be breakfast, and then we'll have chapel, and Christ will be there. And then we'll have chores, and Christ will be there. That's great. He was with me 
the whole time, always. And I just don't think that I would have been able to perceive and feel his comfort if I hadn't been living there. If I had been anywhere else, if I'd had my own apartment somewhere or something, I think I would have been too distracted by, um, you know, the hurt. But as it was, I, well, almost by necessity, I was more focused on all the love and support around me. It just didn't have that much time to sit alone and be overwhelmed by grief, mm-hmm. you know. And it, I didn't cry. That's another reason why we keep people busy. Yeah. The structure and to not worry about the problems that really don't matter because God says they don't matter. Let me deal with them. Yeah. Just trust the process. That's what I tell people. Trust the process here. You have to trust the process. You can't change it. Nope. You know, especially with something like that. But at the same time, you know, I I became a little bit afraid because from that moment on the sidewalk where I just, you know, mm-hmm. pulled everything in and uh, got a hold of myself. Like this was reality hitting you. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I was wrong. There was no, I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. I didn't cry. I didn't cry. And I kept on not crying because for whatever reason, you know, people grieve differently. But I um, I think for me, it felt like if I was to let that go, it would become so big that it would consume me and I would die from it or something. It yeah. just was the biggest thing I'd ever faced in my life. And I couldn't conceive of how to... Um, um, manage it myself so yeah. I just didn't release it until I did and where I did was in the gospel rescue mission in that prayer room upstairs I had made even before my son died I had made a practice of going in there and having you know not always a, a long conversation with God but just a quiet check in mm-hmm. in that peace and serenity of that room and about two weeks after his passing um and i hadn't hadn't cried i went into that room and i found myself on my knees and this howl just came out of me and i had my face on the ground and my body just shook and I wept, and I wept, and I wept, and it was, you know, the ugly cry. Mm-hmm. But I felt like my tears were welcomed and received, and I flowed into Jesus' hands, and God embraced me, um, like proud of my. effort to hold myself together and proud of me for staying close to him and for staying in control of my emotions you know we don't um 
we don't have to lose control over every horrible thing that happens in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, self-control is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the place for me to lose control. It sounds because, like you had a peace that a peace that surpasses all understanding too. After I had that breakdown, sure. Yeah. You know, cuz God received my grieving and uh and then the quiet came over me. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that there was nothing that could happen to me in life that he couldn't see me through. Mm-hmm. You know. I had the classic experience of the worst thing that could happen. So tell us about how long were you at the mission and where are you at now? And tell us a little bit how things are going now. Well, um, after my son died and I came home, because I had gone away for a while. His We had a memorial for him in Portland and then uh, one in San Jose. So I actually had to go out of town for a while. And when I came back um, and went back to work at the store, um, just about that time, I found a place to live. So I live in an independent living facility up at the top of the town. It's new. Um, what are they? What's what are they called? It's called Evans Place. It's run by Mid Rogue Foundation. Um, which is the philanthropic arm of All Care, mm-hmm. and they've taken on senior homelessness as um, sort of their uh, charitable cause that they want to get behind. So uh, in the house, we have uh, space for six residents. We have currently five in the house. And, um, you know, it's a collective living situation but it's a big beautiful house and we all have our own private space and shared kitchen and um how'd uh, you find out about them well right through the gospel rescue mission through the coordinator monica monica uh knew that i was ready to move on i had been living apart from my dog um the whole time I was at the mission and after my son died, I really wanted to be back together with him. And so Monica was always kind of keeping her ear to the ground for places that might be appropriate for me. And um, she saw that I was very grounded in my spiritual walk at that point, And I would probably be okay in any kind of an independent situation. And when she heard about this one, she applied for me. It was one of those kind of situations where you needed a referral. And I did get in there. Um, But I didn't go looking for work immediately. I mean, I'm on disability, and I I live pretty frugally. So when I got into the house, I decided to stay working at the Booth Street thrift store because – I was still, you know, emotionally fragile from my son's death and um, living independently, again, was wonderful, but in combination with having just lost my son, you can imagine that suddenly having big chunks of empty Mm -hmm. time on my hands 
was a little bit jarring. So I stayed uh, on at the Booth Street thrift store Mm -hmm. just as a volunteer because I needed that community. I needed those people around me. I needed to have something to do with my hands. And I needed it to be a spiritually safe place. So you'll remember, you know, when I came back um, after moving into Evan's place and come up to me and find me at that computer in the back with tears streaming down my face. And I was just trying to keep on being busy. And you would say, do you need prayer? Do you want to pray? I remember. And I did want to pray. And that's a unique situation that so perfectly served me Mm -hmm. and kept me close to God in a way that I couldn't have done on my own. So I'm so grateful for that. And uh, well, it kept me close to God too. So we don't just do it for the residents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps you know, us a lot too. Mm-hmm. And and being being back there volunteering and seeing the residents and working with the residents and knowing that you know these are people who've been where I was mm-hmm. and. They're also trying to work their way through it. I, you know, I love those people. Mm-hmm. I want to support them. I want them to have the success that I've had. And um, I don't wish the same path for them. I don't want them to have to go through any horrible personal loss like that. But, um, you know, everybody has their own difficulties that they deal with. I mean, some people have substance problems other people have emotional or mental difficulties and we have the capacity to deal with all kinds of people in the mission mission Mm -hmm. you know it's there for for what do you want to call it high bottom homeless yeah people who are capable of helping themselves yeah and 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 a lot of a lot of the residents at the gospel rescue mission not you don't see this a lot but a lot of them aren't there because of choices they made some of them don't didn't have a choice and they just ended up over circumstances homelessness Mm -hmm. through homelessness so um you don't see it a lot but yeah yeah but but, you know we want to make um I think people in general want to categorize people um, as like innocent victims or people who have uh, put themselves in bad situations. And, you know, the truth about it is like we're all the captain of our own ship. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, um, we're all responsible for where we end up in life. Um, But you're right. There are people who... Um, through no fault of their own, end up in homeless circumstances and they're not dealing with addiction and that's not the nature of their problem. Um, But they've got, once you're out there on the street, you lose access to what we wouldn't even, you know, if you're housed, you don't even think of things as support systems, you know, having a driver's license, going to the DMV. We complain about that. Nobody wants to do that. Ah. Mm -hmm. But that's something that you need to have to function in society. And so in the mission, they, you know, help people get 
back into those um, structured parts of society and and become able to move forward on their own. So, so it sounds like you faced many challenges during your stay at the mission, mm-hmm. and you were able to get through them with the support of the mission mm-hmm. and family. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to say as... Uh, uh, myself working with you, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And mm. We have so many talks, and, and now you, you are more of a help to me than ever in so many different ways over at Booth Street Store. And our customers love us, and we love our customers. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's anyone here that knows of the Booth Street Thrift that wants to come in and say hi to us, or Annie, feel free to. Um, we, we, we love our community. And our we community do. is responsible for our success. And Annie, you are a big part of that. Thanks. So, um, well, Annie. Well, Greg. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And um, is there, if there's anyone listening right now that may have been in a situation of homelessness, uh, a story like yours or even a story completely the opposite that's debating whether to come to the Gospel Rescue Mission, the Fixo Family Center, or even the Men's Center next mm-hmm. door, with their children or without the women, uh, what what advice would you give them right now? You know, the first thing I would say to anybody who's mm-hmm. struggling with homelessness is that what they need more than anything else is God. Amen. And they may not believe that. That may not be their orientation to the world. They might not be Christian. They might not be religious at all. Mm -hmm. But if they can understand that there's a power greater than themselves Mm -hmm. that can help them with everything, Mm -hmm. I want them to know that they can find that power through the mission. Yes. Whatever they call it, however they relate to it, they can go to the mission and find the peace and support and quiet to get closer to that power. I call it Jesus Christ. Some people just call it God, but it's real, it and real. it's available through the mission. It is real. And I just, I just tell everybody so, so much, if, if you only knew how much he loves you, and if you could just grasp that and love him back, doesn't matter if you do or not. He's going to get you to where he wants you, yeah. either fighting and kicking or <laughs> willingly. But if you do it willingly, it's going to be such a great journey. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Annie. Thank I love you, you. Craig. We all love you here at the mission. Love and you too. You're a big part. And, yeah, I just look forward to I look forward to the rest of my days seeing your smiling face and coming in and making my day better and uh-huh. everyone else around you. Thank you, Greg. Yep. Well, that about does it for another episode of the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Annie Foster, for spending time with me today. Hey, if you enjoyed what you heard today, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about getting involved in the mission, maybe become a volunteer or need information on how you can support our programs, head over to the website grantspassmission.org. Again, thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.